This is Coach Nicole with Thrive Differently. I am so excited to have Jerry McHugh on our podcast today. So before we start, I want to give a little bit of background about Jerry. Jerry is the founder and director of Global Health Film and has overseen its transition from project to registered charity. Her academic interests include sexual war crime with a focus on male victims and female perpetrators. Jerry has held leadership roles in the nonprofit sector for over 25 years, advising on developing and implementing strategies for organizational reform and growth. She was CEO of the Royal Society of Tropical Medicine and Hygiene until mid-2016, when she rashly gave it all up to focus on developing global health film. I am so honored to have you on today, Jerry, and so excited for everybody to listen about this amazing, amazing organization. And first, before we kick off, I would love for my listeners to know a little bit more. So can you tell us like who you are and a little bit more about what you do? Well, Nicole, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me to be on your podcast. It's absolutely an honor. And I'm just delighted that you've started this fantastic venture. So good luck to you with this really, really exciting journey. Thank Um, you. You've given me such a lovely introduction, but I will fill that out a little bit. So as Nicole said, um, my name is Jerry McHugh. I live in the UK, just on the border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. I've lived all over the world. I've been blessed to spend most of my life outside of the UK, actually, mostly in, in France, but I've also lived in Italy and other parts of Europe. And as Nicole said, I have a background in charity management, but I set up a sidebar in 2012, so just over 10 years ago now, called Global Health Film, which is a storytelling charity. We work in the sort of social justice and inequity space. In a nutshell, we believe that stories make the world a better place. And so therefore, our purpose is really to use the power of really excellent storytelling, mainly through film and mainly through documentary, to shine the light on different parts of the world and different stories around the world and to support the filmmakers that bring those stories to us. Thank you so much for sharing that. I can't wait to dive in because the way that you've structured your business is so unique in so many ways. I want to talk about how your ambitious and passionate journey with social justice and creating space for real impact, how we can implement change and how you made that happen and advice that you could give to our listeners to do so. So many of us have different backgrounds and we come from different places. I mean, Obviously, our accents are a little bit different here, but we've also had these stories, right? And I really love the way that you share and highlight stories in your business and the message that you're putting forth. I really want to know what about film inspired you to start your business? Film is a form of storytelling, and we might do a deeper dive into storytelling itself as our conversation progresses. But film is really unique in a couple of really important ways. One, it can be much more accessible than other forms of storytelling, much more accessible certainly than scholarly articles or heavy data sets. It can be very transportable. And there's a lot of good work being done now actually around the world, bringing films sort of deep into, into communities to start different conversations right at grassroots level. So that's one really important aspect of film. Film can also be 
fantastic in terms of ensuring representation and ensuring diversity in a way that other forms of media m- might struggle to do so quite so well. I think the magic of film for me is the way that it can be both a collective and an individual experience. And there's something really magical about being in the cinema and the movie theatre in that dark space and that big screen, watching something in a community, watching something collaboratively. So you have in that moment a journey with other people, perhaps two or 300 other people in that room. There's something very, very powerful about that, which can inspire us to discuss and to debate and can provoke action and movement towards justice. But the great thing also about that dark space is it also gives us a private space for our own personal reflections. And very few forms of media give us both that individual and collective experience and that is the power of film. I love that so much. You talked on three big points and so I want to start with the first one. You said that film really delivers that kind of the grassroots cause for people who may not understand what is a grassroots cause. Can you give us some example of how you've seen this work in the film industry? Yes so well certainly in the kind of film that we work in a lot of them have as their common denominator a local hero. And that may be somebody who is really putting their necks on the line for a greater cause and often against all odds. And they may be doing that for a very personal story that has inspired that journey. It may be something they see happening in their community. And therefore, that can be a very sort of local, personal story, but that can be amplified across the world because it resonates. What's at the heart of great film is human story, real human stories. And that's what makes us connect and that's what makes film resonate. And then it becomes very personal. Film gives us that opportunity to really see the world through that person's eyes and walk in their shoes, I guess. It's like the ultimate empathy and compassion at the same time. It's kind of giving you all, I see you, that we might not have the same situation going on but that feeling I know that feeling it's so raw I think that's the other thing you talked about is really giving visibility to those who haven't had it so when you talk about visibility what is one of the best ways that visibility is really showing up in documentary films versus the traditional movie making big box office films I think there are two angles to this one is taking that opportunity to shine the spotlight on neglected or hidden stories. Those might be stories that are in parts of the world we very rarely hear about and stories that the powers that be may wish to be kept secret. So there's something about amplifying those voices, the voices of those people whose voices have been silenced. That's one part of it, I think. And the other, and this is something I'm particularly interested in, is shining the spotlight on those stories in the developed world where there is a lot of inequity. Often when we talk about the developed world, so I'm talking about your country and mine, really, We have as much social injustice as in other parts of the world, but it's often hidden in plain sight. Our homeless are invisible. We don't see them. You know, there are lots of things that become normalised. Certainly in the UK, we've got this hideous trend of normalisation of food banks. And that is injustice absolutely hidden in plain sight. And 
shining the light on those stories as well is incredibly important. That's where we just connected, wanting justice, wanting people to be seen, you know, and just to be loved, right? I think that our organizations are very similar because we really are there to shine light and give opportunities to those who may have not had it in the past and to know that it's available and that you're not alone. I absolutely agree with you about the synergy between what what you do and, and what we do. And I think, you know, we can't say it enough. Why do we do this? We do this because because people matter because our shared humanity matters, our stories matter, our difference matters, and our voices matter. And I think everything that that we do, you, I, and others, to continue to make those things matter and to continue to safeguard the planet that we share and the legacy that we're going to leave, that's just incredibly important. You know, there's there's just so much more to be done, really. That makes me think about one of the coolest things about your business model, and this is very rare in documentary, you had said something about the collective experience of being able to sit in a room, sharing this experience with people. You also take that a whole other step further Because you have it so that not only do you have the opportunity to witness this beautiful film, but in a lot of cases, you're also getting to heal and learn with the film directors and sometimes the protagonists. Can you talk a little bit about how you created that model and what that's doing to serve on even a bigger scale when you talk about documentaries? So yes, we work, you know, there is no doubt that Global Health Film, the space that we operate in, the stories can be brutal, they can be disturbing, they tend to be, they're not not always, but they can be at the sort of rawer edge of things in terms of injustice, erosion of human rights and extreme poverty and all the other things. And for that reason, it's always been really important for me that when we show a film like that, you know, a film that is disturbing because it's shocking because of its context or its content or because it's, you know, it's shocking because we didn't know this was happening somewhere in the world. It's incredibly important not to denude our audience by then just sending them away with not knowing what to do with that, with what they've seen. So we always go to a lot of effort to to have an in-depth, quite lengthy discussion after each film with the film director or other member of the film team possibly with one of the protagonists, if relevant, with global health experts as well from around the world. And those conversations are an an equal part. If we consider our events to be like any good game of football, two equal parts, the panel discussion is a really important equal part of what we do, because those discussions, what do they do? They bring context, they bring hope, they bring light and shade. Uh, they bring opportunities for action. And that's incredibly important because what we're trying to do is give people back their power, give people back their agency. And uh, yeah, I'm very, very proud of that part of what we do. And as you should be, it's such a beautiful thing, especially in this post-COVID world, which is something that I think about every day. You're doing inclusivity, not in just the people that you're representing, but also in the conversations that you're having. There are people from all over the world, from Europe to Africa to United States, All of the different continents are somehow represented on these calls or in these films, and they're sharing these stories. And therein lies the creative discussion, right? That's growth. When we talk about the importance of inclusivity, it's being able to sit in a room with someone who is not like you and learning from them and with them. That is so revolutionary. It's like trailblazing in this film industry because 
So often, if you're talking about a film that represents a cause, you're you're left alone. Okay, goodbye. See ya. You know, have a nice day. Go ahead. And now it's time to start making dinner that you probably can't eat because you have this pit in your stomach and you're not able to work through it with somebody. It's just such an innovative way to think about film. But what really does make a great film, in your opinion? So I think a great film at its most basic should always move us. It should make us care. I think all films ideally will not leave us indifferent. They will move us, they'll make us care, they'll make us reflect, they'll bring perspective. Looking at the kind of films that we work with, which are more geared towards discussion, debate, active, active engagement. Active could be cerebral, actually, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, taking to the streets to demonstrate and far from it, but where you're actually really, really involved in that film. So I think those films, they challenge us, they shape our thoughts, they don't just comfort the things we know already. That's terribly important that they do that, that they stretch us and that they leave us with new paths to pursue in terms of our questioning and that they ignite new passions and, and new interests and that they show us both that those differences or different ways of looking at the world and that is the beauty of fantastic t- storytelling also gently reminding us of that common those commonalities we can all imagine the loss of a child. We can't imagine, in, of course, in its greatest depths, how horrendous that might be, but we can imagine how frightening it is to have a parent or a child or a loved one in hospital. We all know what loss and love is. We all know what injustice feels like at some level. And I think being reminded of the fact that actually Yes, the beauty is that we are all different, but it is equally that we are all the same. And those two things exist quite beautifully in tandem, as far as I'm concerned. And we often forget, if you forget one, you forget the other. Wow. I mean, that's very profound. I'm at a loss for words. It's just such a beautiful way to say it. Your goodness shows and hearing you love on the filmmakers and love on the producers and love on the protagonists. There is so many amazing ways that you're showing this gratitude and helping in some small ways and hopefully bigger as you continue on this journey. You know, you're making an impact on this world. These films are going to live on and it's leaving a legacy. I would love to understand what strategies or insights you could give to someone who is aspiring to make a film. Yes, of course. First of all, I would say the real heroes in this story are definitely, definitely not me. It's definitely the filmmakers and the protagonists, these ordinary, extraordinary people who give so much of themselves to to get these stories out. We are blessed and honoured to be part of their journey, quite frankly. The most fundamental piece of advice I would give to anybody who is thinking of making a film or maybe an early career filmmaker, while it's very hard to do this if you're right at the beginning of the creative process, but start with the end in mind. And the end is not when you wrap the film. 
that's the beginning, actually. It's thinking about what you want your film to do. Now, not all films have to change the world and far from it, but thinking about what you want to happen with your film in terms of thinking about your audiences and your audience building. I think that's incredibly important. And finding your allies early, thinking about who can help you do this. Who are the partners, the educational partners, the not-for-profits like us, who are the corporate partners even, who can help you ensure that your film is the success that it deserves to be because you're certainly not going to be able to do it by yourself. And so I think that's terribly important. And I think often people come to that a little too late. They often start to think about those kinds of strategic things when the film is wrapped and when they are kind of wrung out and short on money, short on time, short on energy, and therefore potentially miss lots of opportunities to give their film the best platform it can possibly have. So I think working, working that sort of strategic stuff in right at the start will pay dividends. I think that's amazing. I, I am so honored to know a lot about your business. There are so many different facets to your organization. You have thought about how to support people in all different aspects of it. So can you talk a little bit about all your services and how you are providing kind of this all-encompassing center for everyone? Yes, of course. We are a very small organization. You know, it is me, this laptop, surrounded by greatness, by the way, with an amazing advisory board, amazing volunteers, phenomenal filmmakers but you know we have lots of TLC to offer and advice we you know we can't offer much in the way of financial support to our filmmakers but we can offer lots of other things so I think even as a as a small outfit I think actually that can be really good because it focuses us on really squeezing that opportunity for each filmmaker so at the very least we will do you know we talked about the panel discussions earlier we will always do a panel discussion for each film. That is absolutely given because it just wouldn't work otherwise. So filmmakers will always get that opportunity in real time at least once. And the great thing about that opportunity is, so yes, it's, it's that phenomenal thing of bringing these people together from all around the world for that discussion. And that's fantastic because it's feedback for the filmmaker. It allows them to go into more depth about, about the why and the wherefore and what's next and all of that. It's great sort of relationship building and networking for them. It allows them to point to their perhaps wider body of work. So, you know, sort of really just squeezing that opportunity for them and ditto for, for the protagonists as well. If we can spotlight our uh, wonderful local heroes, then, then we're always delighted to do that. So we program through the year and I'm always looking for opportunities to program film either for us or for some of our partners so we program film for um, international conferences into the curriculum at certain medical schools or for other festivals and so in fact there are quite a few films that I can think of one film in particular that we've probably programmed about 20 times now all around the world from UK to Sweden to Australia to China to the US and I am always looking for those opportunities to continue to breathe life into those films. We've got a screening coming up in June, actually, at a medical school of a film that we did the online premiere in 2021. 
we did the in-person premiere in September 2022. And it was on the back of that in-person premiere that the screening at a medical school has come out. And, you know, that is just just fills my heart with joy. Every time we get one of these opportunities, when I get, you know, emails coming in from our academic partners or whoever saying, we want to put on some great film. What have you got for us? And, you know, packaging stuff up and advising them on what would go well with what and which filmmaker is at a critical point at this stage and why July might really work for the filmmaker, actually, if you did that. There's that kind of ongoing support behind the scenes, which is open to all of our films. And then for some of our films, when the opportunity arises, we will partner with them sort of more comprehensively and more thoughtfully through the year. We're working with two or three films at the moment where we're working more closely with them to do that audience building and to push things a little bit further for them in terms of reaching influencers or giving them new platforms, different platforms sort of slightly outside of our sphere to talk about their work. Occasionally, we will get involved with films right at the concept stage. And there's one film we're working with at the moment that is very early on in its journey. And we supported it. We were delighted to support it last year with some crowdfunding so it could do its first bit of film shooting. And it's now on the back of that gone on leaps and bounds. That kind of stuff is a it's a real privilege, actually, to be able to to get involved in this way. You're really hitting it at all angles, you know, with the center of it really being about impact globally, right? And making positive change in this world. I'm impacting quirk because I'm just really weird, but like impact and global, you have all these inputs coming in. I mean, I'm just seeing these charts coming through my head. It's like funding for the filmmakers so they can even put it out there. Then you also have the filmmakers come on board and then you can help them grow the audience, but also you're helping the individual, whether you just want to enjoy it and belong to a membership at a very reasonable cost to watch all these amazing films that you can't get anywhere else. It doesn't have it on Netflix or Hulu. Most of them are not showing up on these streaming services. Then you also have a festival where everybody's celebrating film together. And then you go to the academic institutions or social causes, prides, women's rights, whatever it may be. And you're showing film there And helping to educate larger groups. I mean, it's mind-blowing stuff there. There's so many different avenues we could go with this, but you have multiple festivals that you run, but you have the big one that you solely host. Is that correct? Yes. What time of year is it? End of November, beginning of December. So it's usually straight after Thanksgiving. You don't have Thanksgiving over there, do you? No, no, no. But we got it badly wrong one year and programmed it during Thanksgiving. (laughs) So yeah, very hard to get. American uh, partners over that weekend. I think that's the thing that's so crazy, not crazy, but insanely awesome that you're really helping filmmakers. It's this whole thing. So how are you choosing which films to work with? Because it's like, if you get chosen by Jerry, you know, (laughs) something's going on. So how are you choosing these films to showcase? Okay. Well, that's a great question. So films come to us in two or three different avenues there is a sort of scope and remit that we work within you know we're mainly mainly but not always documentary it's always going to have some kind of angle around social justice or health inequity whether that's around poverty climate change gender violence disability mental health you name it all of these subjects come under our sphere so anything that fits within that can go through our submissions process so like 
98% of film festivals around the world use a submissions platform. We use Film Freeway, very, very standard, excellent platform. Lots of the films that we meet along the way have come through the submissions process. And I'm actually just about to open for this year. So we'll be opening middle of May, towards the end of May, at the very latest for selection over the summer for November. We also work closely with a couple of trusted distributors that we've worked with over the years. So we have conversations with those distributors through the year around, you know, what's coming up, what's in the pipeline. Films take a long time to make and COVID certainly didn't help with that at all, you know, put everything back a couple of years. So we tend to know that something's coming through. So I will know up to two years ahead of time what's in the pipeline. It's usually about nine months ahead that we have an inkling. So we will pre-select I will negotiate fiercely to try and get a world premiere or a UK premiere of that film if the synergy is right for for us, for the filmmaker, for the distributor. And then occasionally, as I said before, we'll be there from the start. I think all festivals will keep their finger on the pulse by attending other people's festivals or keeping an eye on what's coming through. Everybody always looks with great interest to see what's making noise at Sundance in January, at Berlin in February, at CPH Docs in March. You start to see what the exciting material is that's coming through that might be ready for a UK audience further down the line. I would be remiss if I don't allow the listeners to listen to you rant on about the films and your absolute love and support because it is like magic hearing you talk about these films. So I would love to hear a couple of examples. We'll keep it at two to three max because I know you love them so much, but two to three films that you would recommend, recommend, recommend because they have had a major impact and a lot of success in doing so. Here are some great ones to check out. And they're freaking impactful. Okay. So this is really difficult. Okay. So I'll try and choose three quite different um, examples or films that have had different outputs. There are a thousand must-see films out there. There is no doubt about it. Let's think about a film that's changed policy and that actually probably set out to do so. There is a phenomenal film called the end of the line and it is sort of inspired by a book of the same name written by Charles Clover. The film came out in 2009 but it's about 15 years old and it's about sustainable fishing. It doesn't sound exciting at all. It is a must-see film. One because it's amazing but the story of this film and what it's done is phenomenal. That film has changed how UK uh, supermarkets and fast food places buy fish. It had a major impact on the market. And it did that because it got those supermarkets on board early on to pledge to stop buying unsustainable tuna, for example, or unsustainable other types of fish. It's hard to make a film about fishing sound exciting. It is a brilliant utterly amazing must-see film and it has absolutely made the world a better place in terms of ensuring that there will still be fish for people to eat in 10 years time without what it did and without how it changed buying habits at the supermarket level there would be no fish left in the sea that is wild not to make a pun even though you know 
Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a fun it's a fantastic film. Another film that came out the same year, actually, in two thousand and nine, an American film this time. Have you heard of The Invisible War? It's about military sexual assault. It's another brutal, shocking film about sexual assault, not always, but usually violence against women in the American military. That film has affected American legislation. There have been over 20 pieces of legislation that have been passed on the back of that film to address military sexual assault in the US. That's another must see, and the director is a genius. My third example will be a film that you and I have spoken about a little bit over the last week, and that is the phenomenal um, Welcome to Chechnya, made by David France, American journalist and filmmaker. Welcome to Chechnya was his third film, came out in 2020, and it's about the persecution of gay people in Chechnya. David and the team thought quite a lot about impact before the film came to pass, so to speak, because they knew that they were going to have very little effect in terms of influencing the leader of Chechnya to change his views. They had to think about how they were going to affect outcomes using, using the film in different communities. And so they've done some phenomenal work to really shine the spotlight on the amazing not-for-profits that work with people trying to get out of Chechnya because they are at severe risk of being disappeared or killed. The Moscow Community Centre, which provides care and, and temporary housing, they go into Chechnya and risk their lives going in to get people out, sort of generally, sort of individually, and then look after them until they can seek refuge elsewhere. And the other not-for-profit that David has done a lot of work to amplify is Rainbow Railway, which is a Canadian not-for-profit that does phenomenal work helping people actually get out and seek refuge all over the world. The impact that the film has had just in terms of sort of starting that conversation around persecution of gay people all over the world has been phenomenal because whilst it might be happening in Chechnya now, we know that erosion of human rights is something that we should not take lightly and that actually the story could be happening in any country at any point in time. So that's an amazing must-see film. It is brutal, but it is urgent and it is just absolutely amazing in terms of shining the spotlight on some people who are literally risking their lives to stand up for human rights. I've had the honor of you sharing the film with me yeah. and David France also being part of our queer community, you know, yeah. as I am part of the queer community, watching this film at this time where I am in Nashville, Tennessee, when you talk about visibility and for people to not be seen, and that's kind of what's happening here. These policymakers are turning away the access to care for those who are transitioning. I think if anyone listening to this podcast, just pause for one second. You told three different, very, very different stories of different issues. I would ask anyone listening, could you relate somehow, some way? And that's the power film. You know, you're going through this list and I'm like, I feel this, I feel this, I feel this. I was at the gym this morning and this guy got mad at something, not somebody, something, and started throwing around 50 pound dumbbells and cursing out loud in the middle of a group workout. And I'm like, you are acting so privileged. What makes you more important than anyone else here? I emailed the director and I said, you know, it's not just about safety because someone could have got a concussion, broken a bone, but psychologically, 
I didn't yeah. feel safe. No, absolutely. So the, taking y- your story from this morning, why did he do it? Because he felt he could. You know, this is an abuse of power. This is, as, as you said, a total abuse of perceived privilege. And all of these stories, it's about imbalance of power, uh, whether it's sexual assault or living out one's sexuality or other difference, or whether it's knowing where our food comes from, as basic as knowing where, where our food comes from. The more you test it in one area of your life, Like I know in loving my queerness, it has made me even more passionate about other things. How do I raise other people up? How can I go into the black trans community and help them? Because I still have a platform where I want to hold your hand and march with you and not stand on top and just say, hey, you can't come here. You know, you're not protected here. I want to protect with them and hold fucking shields. We're going up together. If you are in a privileged position, how are you using it? And I think- film is such an amazing way to use it for good absolutely and I think we can all know what it feels like to be on the outside looking in we can all know what it feels like to be a minority to be friendless to be misunderstood to not belong we shouldn't forget that. We've all had moments like that in our life, even with the greatest privilege, I would imagine. And they're important lessons, painful though they may be. You're so heart and impact centered in your organization. Do you have some advice of what you would tell people who are looking to start a nonprofit? Yes. Oh, well, certainly speaking from the UK perspective, it's not necessarily the easiest route. It takes certainly in the UK, I don't know what it's like in the US, but certainly in the UK, rightly so, there are many, many checks and balances. But those checks and balances cost time and money. It cost a fortune to set Global Health Film up. I'm very glad we did it, but I hadn't expected it to be quite such an arduous journey. I'm very glad we did it because the wonderful thing about being a not-for-profit is all in the name is that it means that fundamentally, consistently, you are focused on outputs and outcomes and impact rather than on money. Money is important, increasingly so, but the great thing about being a not-for-profit is that Money's the gas you put in the car. It's not the journey, you know? So, and I think that's terribly, terribly important. So I think for anybody wanting to start a not-for-profit, really think that through quite carefully, really work out, as you would with any business, what gap you're filling. If you're duplicating effort, why are you doing that? Uh, There may be good reasons for doing that, or is there a different way to do it? Consider other forms of, you know, so we're a registered charity. It's the registered charity bit, actually, that costs the time and the money. But certainly in the UK, and again, it might be the same in the US, there might be other forms of not-for-profit that have sort of lower barriers, like social enterprises is quite a big thing here now. But I think the most important thing, the most important advice is never to forget your why, why you set it up. And it's definitely, definitely isn't to make money. Yes, it's to raise shed loads of money that you can then enjoy spending out. But, you know, there's a higher objective, I guess, which is, you know, that's the inspiration. That That's the thing that gets you out of bed, I think. I would turn that on any organization, whether it's non-for-profit or for-profit. I think of income and money as the byproduct of serving authentically in an area that needs help with people at the center. 
consumers are getting smarter with social media and just the way that they're able to receive data and information. I think some of these corporate corporate businesses are going to have difficulty if they're not serving in a very authentic way. Yeah. I mean, money's important, but it is overrated as an end product. I would love, like, this has been amazing and I could talk to you for forever, but I love to end my episodes with a little thrive in five. And so I have five questions I love to ask each of the guests. So Jerry, I would love to know, how do you bring quirk into work? By quirk, you mean difference? I would say it's quirk is like difference for sure, but it's almost like a little bit of fun or goof. It's like difference with being unapologetically spirit fingers you. Okay. Well, so I think really, I think my quirk is having a film title as the answer to just about any problem anybody could possibly have. And if I had a pound or a dollar for every time I started a sentence with, there's a great film about that, you know, um, or you really need to see that film. I think my life is just totally framed in great storytelling. I think that's my quirk. I, I think I love it though. I mean, you know, some people just quote movies, but you're you're actually saying, no, here is the entire movie in its whole form. Go watch that if you want to learn more, right? You're an yeah. ultimate educator. Oh, well, I don't know. An ultimate bore, maybe. So I would love to know who is doing something outside the box that inspires you and why? We are part of a, a network together. That's how we know each other. In that group of phenomenal people, there are loads and loads of examples of people doing fantastic things outside the box. One of them, I don't know whether you've come across Annie. Her business is called Mini Moon Art, I think. And she mm-hmm. makes a stunningly beautiful jewellery from crystals, uh, from healing crystals. I really admire what she's doing. It's really quirky, actually, an individual and very compelling, actually. And I think there are lots of people in that group that are doing fantastic work that is both really solid, but outside the box in that they're kind of razor sharp on their audience or, or on their deliverables in a way that I find really, really, um, really very, very, very motivating. And if I may, Nicole, I think I would put you in that list. I would say I really love what you're doing and I think it is outside the box and I think it's amazing. Oh, well, thank you, Jerry. I did not put that plug in for Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> really, oh, really, really. I, I don't like talking about me. This is why I love interviewing so much. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. And I will also agree with Mini Moon Arts is incredible. And she's not just creating these beautiful pieces, but she's also educating on why. And I love it. It's, it it is amazing. Shout out, Annie. We got you. Absolutely. All right. Here's another one. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Okay. So today, and it's so horrendously domesticated, but I am quite excited. I built a greenhouse today. Uh, Boring, but I did. I'm very, very excited about my new greenhouse. Never done that before. A thousand pieces of bendy metal and a million nuts and bolts. Not fun at all, not fun, but the finished product. Oh my gosh, that is insane. I have become a huge plant lover and my partner and I actually have an app so we can remember to water all of our plant babies. And I've also decided I'm going to start propagating everything that I see. So, which is 
I think it's cool. Here's a good one. I can't wait for this answer. If you were to write an autobiography right now, what would be the last sentence in your book? So if I was writing it now, so it kind of ends where I am now. Hmm. The last sentence in my book would be, go and watch more film. Predictable, I'm afraid. But that's what it would be. I love it. This is the last one. What does it mean to you to thrive differently? To me, thriving differently goes back to some of the stuff we talked about earlier, actually. And I don't think I'm at all unique in this, but I think it's that whole thing of seeking out and celebrating our commonalities and our differences. I think it's that. It's seeing the light and shade everywhere. That is amazing. I have enjoyed this so much, but before we leave, and I don't I don't even want to say goodbye, but before we do say goodbye, I would love for you to share a little bit of information about how can people get involved in Global Health Film, take part in your events, where can they find you? Yes, thank you. Well, I've also loved it, and thank you for having me. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you today. So you can find us online at globalhealthfilm.org. You can find us on all of the usual social media platforms at Global Health Film. We have an online program of films and discussions through the year. We do our best to make those available uh, to all territories as much as we can so that people can join from around the world in real time. If you become a member you get that online program for free. If you are in London in November, December, please come to the UK-based film festival. If you're a filmmaker, consider submitting your work to this year's festival. Whoever you are and wherever you are, please be part of this film watching, talking, speaking, moving, breathing community that exists to make the world a better place. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your story and your love of film and the arts. It is an honor. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed it.